We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Preseason news and notes, ADP battles, and our three favorite NBA win total over under bets. That's all coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Pod. It is Wednesday, October 11th. Nick Whalen back with Brandon Kravitz. Uh, Brandon will be doing this pod every Wednesday from now through the end of the regular season. A ton to get to today. We had a huge NBA preseason slate last night. Uh, we had we had you know NBA teams playing against what I thought were soccer teams. Uh, we had the Wizards playing some team I had never heard of. Uh, you know the Blazers are, are playing the New Zealand Breakers in the late window. They end up winning that game by 40. Uh, we won't go in depth, you know. We're not going to jump from box score to box score, but we want to hit some of the big picture items from last night. After that, we'll talk about our favorite win total bets for the season, uh, and then Brandon's got some uh, ADP battles lined up. So we will we'll talk about some players who are going in similar ranges, discuss uh, the pros, the cons of each, and which player we ultimately prefer. Uh, Brandon, wh- where do you want to go first here? Do we need to start in Orlando? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, of course, one eye on that last night uh, it was a uh, was a busy night in sports on, uh, on a Tuesday night. You had all this baseball. My Baltimore Orioles got eliminated after winning zero games in the postseason. But I yeah. won't bore well, all of you with that. The, the Brewers are right there with them. Right. And, you know, I, I think maybe we should take a moment of silence here for our guy, John McKechnie, who yeah. had a rough weekend with the Ravens. And then, you know, this is not what we wanted to see from the O's. Yeah, McKech- I, I'm a I'm a big fan. McKechnie's hardcore, so I know that he's uh, he's definitely <laughs> reeling today. But but certainly, even with that going on, one eye on the Magic and their win last night. So that's always good to see, even though it's meaningless in the preseason. Uh, in terms of any sort of grand takeaways, I mean, the team kind of was what I expected them to be. You saw if you want to start with the rookies, Anthony Black, his shot does not look good. Uh, and- no, it does not. <laughs> that's just not something that's going to all all of a sudden snap of a finger correct itself this season, but it should be something that they clearly need to work on when they get to a true off season next year. And you just hope that he can contribute in other ways. I thought he looked really comfortable on the defensive end. So that's something that he should be able to hang his hat on the defense and playmaking. And that's all they really need him to do. They've got guys like Cole Anthony that can score off the bench and jet Howard. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get, but 
I, I was somebody that was really down on the pick at the time. I even sort of told him that at media day, which created an awkward moment. Um, but, uh, you know, I get locked into these mock drafts. There wasn't a single one that had Jet Howard going 11. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was shocked by the pick. Man, that guy looks like he's ready for the NBA, though. I mean, he just looks the part. I don't know what kind of minutes he gets, but he looks like he can do it. Yeah, I think he's always had more of an NBA-style game, right? And right. there are some players that you watch at the college level and you just think, okay, you look good here. There's a reason we're talking about you as a lottery pick, but the spacing, the pace, you know, the the, the differences in shot selection, the differences in coaching in the NBA just suit certain players better. And I, I think Jed Howard is one of those guys. Uh, you know, there's there some clips going around of Paolo Bancaro last night. I thought he looked great, uh, looked really explosive, uh, had, a, had a, a big fast-break dunk. Markel Fultz, same thing. Uh, Fultz, by the way, like, I, I don't think I've ever seen him like actually palm the ball or use two hands. Like he's the only player in the league that like scoops the ball on its way up every time he dunks. Uh, but he looked great last night, 10 points for Fultz in 20 minutes, five of seven from the field. Uh, Jalen Suggs started alongside Markel Fultz with Bancaro, Franz Wagner and Wendell Carter Jr. I, I think this is probably the, the default starting lineup, right? Am I missing something here? I mean, does Gary Harris, you know, does he kind of have the incumbent role? Over Jalen Suggs, we did see him work off the bench last night for 15 minutes. Yeah, that was the big talking point once the starting five was released last night here locally. For those that don't know, I I, I do live in the city of Orlando and cover the Magic extensively. Um, that The fact that Gary Harris was the starter in that spot last year, I think they want Jalen Suggs to be the starter. This is part of the value of the preseason, as I, I do think they're going to take a couple of games to figure out if Jalen Suggs is right for that role. The reason why he would be, though, I mean, you're talking about another guy you need to see an offensive leap from, and we saw no sign of that last night. One of five from three-point range, rough around the edges uh, in terms of his offensive game, uh, which is an issue that you've had with him. But he doesn't really need to be the scorer. Paolo and Franz, and especially if Wendell is going to be as efficient as he was last night, you don't need him to be that guy. I know that the the two position is technically a shooting guard, but – I think at this point in 2023, we're all sort of off of that. You don't have to have everyone on the floor. Doesn't need to be Steph Curry. So um, I do think there's a lane where he is the starter because of what he brings on defense. And they're just not going to expect a lot from him on the offensive end. I think you want him to be the starter if you're Orlando, yeah. right? I mean, that was <laughs> that was the goal, right? Like, I, I, you know, if they want to try to win as many games as they can from the jump, then yeah, maybe you start with Gary Harris and you hope that eventually Jalen Suggs does enough to take that role. But you didn't draft Jalen Suggs with the hope that he's your seventh man, you know. So I, I think there is some, you know, that there's kind of some institutional uh, push, you know, within that organization to tr- probably try to at least give Jalen Suggs one last chance here. Um, you know, without getting injured. It feels like every time he's taken a step forward, you know, an injury has popped up and then he's kind of back to square one. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, what, <clears throat> this will be the last Orlando Magic note before we move on uh, to the, the Pelican side of things and then hit some of these other games. Jonathan Isaac played basketball, Brandon. He played eight minutes. He did not get hurt. He had two blocks. He had a steal. You know, we saw a couple plays where you're like, okay, that, that's why this guy was in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation like four years ago. Are, are we still, you know, you know a lot more about the Magic than I do. Is the feel around Jonathan Isaac that anything you get from him is a bonus? Are, are there any real expectations among Magic fans? No, not none. Uh, the The idea is it's gravy. It, and, and just to see him out there playing basketball, 
That's the plus. I mean, you already hit on all of the check marks that we needed to see from Jonathan Isaac. The fact that he was active in the first preseason game and they didn't feel like they had to treat him with kid gloves and hold him out. The fact that he played whatever allotment of minutes he had last night, eight and didn't get hurt. You know, those are the things that you're looking for. He can be a positive contribution because when he's at his best, he's better than most players that you look at as a clear second option uh, or, or in terms of just being part of that second unit. So he can really help bolster. Usually when teams go to their bench, they they lose a lot of defense and and that's where teams can kind of catch up if they've if they have a deficit. Jonathan Isaac brings it on defense more than most guys that you're bringing off the bench in the NBA. And so that's the benefit there. I also think that his presence is part of the reason why you kind of have to have Jalen Suggs in the starting lineup. If Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Isaac, and Anthony Black are on the floor together as part of that second unit, you have no scoring. So that yeah. it, it's all sort of uh, you know making the puzzle pieces fit. Yeah, kind of a, a Pittsburgh Steelers, like Matt Canada offense approach uh, with those three guys on the floor. Uh, on the other side of this one, uh, Zion Williamson, first game uh, back in a while for the Pelicans. You look like he drops dropped some weight, uh, looked a, a little bit more explosive, started 0 for 2 from the field, had a couple of turnovers. It wasn't a, a fantastic night for Zion, but uh, had a nice run you know, towards the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, uh, where he you know, converted an add one on the baseline, started to impose his will physically. Five assists for Zion. That that to me is what stands out. Like we know, we know he's going to get the points. He's going to get the rebounds. He had twelve points, five boards in fifteen minutes. You know he's going to be playing thirty to thirty-five minutes tonight when healthy. Points and rebounds. That that's a given. What he could give you in terms of assists, in terms of steals, in terms of blocks, and then what his free throw percentage ultimately settles at. Like that's really all that matters with Zion when it comes to fantasy. You know, I think there he's one of those guys where there's a, a bit of a disconnect, even when he's healthy and even when he's playing well. Uh, you know, he's, he's not someone to me that has like, you know, top 10 fantasy potential just because the the defensive stats in particular have not translated since the college level. So I, I'm very interested to see, you know, hopefully he, you know, we, we get a month plus of Zion healthy to begin the year. Like, what is he doing in addition to scoring and rebounding? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of that's been the the holdup outside of the, the obvious health issues with Zion Williamson. I think that he does profile as somebody that can be a great playmaker we saw that a lot at Duke and I think when he's hit the floor in the NBA he's just trying to find his space the fact that the Pelicans have been able to win games to some degree without Zion allows them to reinsert Zion and say this is now how you can help this team win games and 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 I think that certainly creating some attention for himself on offense second chance opportunities with offensive rebounds, that's how he ends up making himself valuable on a team that is really used to playing basketball without him. Okay, let's hit a few quick notes from these other games. We had Bucks grizzlies last night. Uh, still no Dame, no Lillard, or no Lillard. Those are the same guy. No Dame, no Giannis, <laughs> no Chris Middleton. Both of them out. Yeah, yeah, Dame and Lillard were both out. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really high on, on their second-year guy, uh, I guess technically a wing, uh, Marion Bochamp. Didn't look great last night, 2 of 11 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. You know, I, I've been saying all along, they kind of need him to be their, their Jordan Poole. And, you know, they're very different players. Like, it, we, you don't necessarily want him coming in and jacking up 25 shots. But they, they need that, you know, that young, late first-round pick type of guy to rejuvenate, you know, what's ultimately an aging core for Milwaukee. So that's somebody I'm going to be watching pretty closely during the preseason. Uh, we saw Brooke Lopez get some action. We saw Bobby Portis, Jake Crowder, campaign 
made his debut. Malik Beasley played 22 minutes as well. No major takeaways for me uh, on the Milwaukee side. Uh, on the Memphis side, Jared Jackson looked great in 24 minutes, 17 points, five rebounds, three blocks. Uh, you know, I was talking with Alex on Monday. Both Jackson and Desmond Bain, uh, I think, are, are still maybe a little undervalued. And, you know, Jackson's getting pushed up draft board, so maybe not him quite as much. But, you know, I, I think one of the, the side effects of this John Morant suspension is we're, we're going to see, you know, significant jacked up usage for both of those guys for the first 30 percent of the season. Oh, big time. That, that's why Desmond Bain seems to be getting pushed up boards left and right, and I think deservedly so. The guy is super efficient from three-point range, and he's a really confident basketball player. So where else are they going to generate offense from? He's definitely going to be their number one guy in the, in that regard. And then, I mean, he still has a role when John Morant comes back into the lineup too, so it's not like he's gonna, just going to fade into the background I love whenever we get Kenny Lofton Jr. minutes. That's personally what I look for whenever Memphis hits the floor in the preseason. Preseason summer league champ. Yeah, well, every, every time Kenneth Lofton's on the floor, whether it's in the NBA or in the G League, like he puts up numbers. There's no question about yeah. that. Uh, like, you know, he took 10 shots in 25 minutes, took five threes for some reason last night. Like he, he will get numbers. They might not always be positive numbers, but uh, he's not afraid to shoot the ball. I want to talk a little Johnny Davis, um, not because uh, I, I just want to like, you know, voice some Wisconsin Badgers talk on you. Uh, not a ton of takeaways from the, the, the Wizards playing the Cairns Taipans. I don't I don't even know where that is, uh, what league they're a part of. I don't like their logo appears to be a snake, possibly. Um, Johnny yeah, Davis, definitely I, a snake. OK, yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. It's a little cut off on, on ESPN. Did you see Johnny Davis's shot yesterday? I did not. I I totally missed that. That one slipped through the He's, cracks for me. I don't know what happened. He's shooting like Markel Fultz. Like it, it, there was a, oh, no. a clip going around of him catch and shoot, wide open, kind of between the wing and the corner. Nobody around him, and it, it like he he moved the ball from in front of his head to the side, long, you know, kind of push shot. It, it looked very Fultz like. Uh, I, I know he didn't shoot the ball well last year. That was a, a huge knock on him. That's part of the reason that he barely contributed at the NBA level, but. This is very concerning. We're, we're on full swatch with Johnny Davis. So it, it's funny you should mention that. That was actually one of my takeaways from that Magic game last night. I thought Fultz's jumper looked pretty good. It does. I still don't trust him from deep, but he has, his mid-range jumper looks a little bit more like it looked when he played at Washington. A little it, bit. A little bit. You're right. It, it gets better every there. year. It's still There's still something like off-putting about it that like makes it's you kind not of as hitchy. It's just not as hitchy as it was a couple of years ago. It's, yeah, the hitch is gone, but it, it's still like the ball stays on his hand way too long. Like his, it, you know, it doesn't leave his hand until his arm is like fully released. I, I don't know. Like this is this is like way too deep analysis of a guy who shoots the ball way better than we do. But it, it's still a little off. But either way, Johnny Davis, I, I assume they're trying to reconfigure his jump shot this offseason. It did not look good. Well, he won't get a lot of opportunities if he ever sees the floor with Jordan Poole because that guy is about to jack up more shots than you've ever seen in your entire life in the regular right. season. I mean, he's got he's got that sort of opportunity now to be the focal point of an offense or a team that I, I, they have no idea what they are. I still can't figure out, and I've been trying to figure this out for a decade, what the Wizards' identity is. And I think it is they're only getting further away from answering that question as every year passes. I think you're right. Although I, they finally embraced a rebuild, right? Or at least somewhat of a rebuild. Like this, this to me, if you're a Wizards fan, what you have going right now is better than what was going for the last three to five years, especially basically like once, once it became clear that John Wall was just never going to be that guy anymore. 
you know, you're, you're still trying to cling to winning 38 games with Bradley Beal and Otto Porter. And like, you know, they, they were just you know, so resistant to actually trying to rebuild. You're picking like 14th in the draft every year. That's how you get guys like Corey Kispert, uh, Johnny Davis. Like, I, I think they at least have a direction. You, know, you have players who you could flip at the deadline. You, you don't really have any major long-term commitments on this roster. Like, I, I think it's okay. It's okay to be a bottom three team. I would, you'd rather win 19 games and be in the mix for the number one pick than, you know, win 31 games and be picking ninth to 15th every year. Absolutely. And, and they, they just need to figure out who, you know, what kind of team they want to be. But uh, it all starts with bottoming out and working your way up from there. I just think there's a lot of duplication on this roster right now. But you're right. I mean, at least they know they want to be bad for the first mm-hmm. time in a while. And, and they're not okay with just being middle of the road, which is, which is okay here and there in the NBA. But once you get stuck in the middle, it's hard to get out. Saw some Amani Bates clips last night. Played 14 minutes off the bench for the Cavs. Looked okay. 10 points, hit a couple of threes, you know, just kind of up to his usual tricks. Doesn't, he's kind of like Cam Thomas in a lot of ways. Like he just doesn't, he doesn't see defenders. You know, he's just kind of out there doing his own thing. And if, if there happens to be someone standing in front of him, it doesn't really matter. Is this going to be a thing in the regular season? Like, are we going to be having conversations about whether or not you should pick up Imani Bates off waivers? Or do, do you see this as a situation where he's, you know, back and forth from the G League, not really contributing in year one? Yeah, I, I think it'll probably be more of a back and forth situation. They just have such a good idea of what their rotation wants to look like. And and now even more so as they add Max Struess in the offseason. Cleveland, I mean, talk about a team that doesn't lack an ident- or doesn't have an identity crisis. They know exactly what they want to be. They know who they want their contributors to be. And their starters are going to play heavy minutes because they've got a lot of guys that can handle the ball. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really see this being something where he's making a huge impact. I mean, especially because they brought in Max Struess and, and Georges Niang, who in theory do a lot of what Imani Bates is doing, which is kind of, you know, spot up three-point shooting, microwave scoring. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I think at best he's like, you know, seeing minutes as like the ninth man and, you know, defensively he's going to be a huge liability. He probably needs to gain like 15 to 20 pounds to have any chance defensively. I mean, I don't know what they list him at, but he's like what? Six, nine, six, 10, 170, If that, uh, so I, I do think this ends up being kind of a training wheels year uh, for Imani Bates. I want to go to the Houston Rockets game. Uh, they were playing the Indiana Pacers. First of all, Ben Matherin making a second straight start with Buddy Heald coming off the bench. Uh, not a great night for Buddy Heald. He goes two of 10 from the field. Uh, we'll keep monitoring that situation throughout the preseason. We'll keep monitoring whether or not Indiana advances any trade talks for Buddy Heald. But interesting nonetheless uh, to, to see Ben Matherin in the starting lineup, you know, Alex on Monday was, was all over this. Like he, he thought this was a great decision. He's very, very high on Ben Matherin. I, I like what I saw from him last year. I also, I also think there's a case to be made that he's kind of the perfect six man. Yeah. But if they're going to move off of buddy Heald, they need to get Ben Matherin ready for that yeah. spot. So that's where I agree with Alex on, on that front. Uh, and yeah, in a perfect situation, Ben Ra- Matherin was, one of the best six men in the NBA as a rookie. So it's, it's hard to kind of argue with that point. But moving forward, they need him to advance from six-man status to maybe the best player on the team. They need him to be the star moving forward for this franchise. They're going to be an interesting team to watch this year. You know, they were, they were at 35 wins last season, and uh, I, I kind of like the way they're building, but it's it like it, it usually is in Indiana. It's a slow build. But it all starts with Ben Matherin, and he's got to play heavy minutes in order to uh, to really make an impact. 
Yeah, I, I think he's a player that was much better in real life than in fantasy last year. You know, as is the case with a lot of rookies, the percentages started to tail off toward the end of the season and uh, you know, didn't add a ton defensively. Really not a guy who's interested in passing all that much, although I, I think it's there. Like, I, I don't think he has like no passing vision. I think he's just his job for this team is to come in and, and score the basketball. So he's kind of a, you know, points, threes, a couple of rebounds type of guy for fantasy. So I, I think his real life value right now uh, exceeds what he's probably going to give you in most fantasy leagues. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the Houston side of things, I, I am so intrigued by this roster. I have no idea how many games the Rockets are going to win. Their their win total is 31 and a half at DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, maybe we'll talk about them in a bit when we give out our favorite win totals. Like, I, I, I could kind of see this team winning 35 plus games. I could also see it being a disaster where there are almost too many mouths to feed. I think it's a really interesting spot for Fred Van Vliet. You know, joining this team as a veteran, a guy who's won a title, a guy who's been in the playoffs competing for titles just about every year. And now you're, you're throwing him in with this group that's really accomplished nothing. Um, but with that said, I mean, I, I'm very high on Jabari Smith as a second year breakout. I love Alperin Shangoon. He had a big night last night. Still think that Jalen Green can, can absolutely be salvaged. It, it's, it's hard to just come in and, and be a 20 plus point per game player in year two. I think people are a little bit too down on Jalen Green. And then, you know, Ahmed Thompson, Cam Whitmore. Jay Sean Tate. I mean, there, there are like eight guys that I, I really want to see, uh, you know, have real roles for this team. And it's just not going to be possible. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have a lot of guys that are just learning how to play in the NBA. Right. So I, I, I doubt that they, if I had to pick, you know, that was one that I was looking at when I was trying to decide my favorite over unders that one, 
it feels dangerous taking the under because they've got a lot of talent. So you could see them sliding over that very low total, but I just don't see how defensively they hold up throughout the course of the season. They're going to have some games where they absolutely take out some heavy hitters because they're just going to have three or four guys that get red hot from the field. But I don't think this is a, I don't think this is a team that's going to, that's going to accomplish much this, this year outside of figuring out who are the pillar pieces that you want to build around, but they just simply have too many guys that are still trying to figure out this league. It's a lot on Fred Van Vliet's shoulders. They'll go as he leads them. So if he has a great season, I think they'll, they'll come together quicker than maybe I'm giving them credit for. Uh, We should note Dylan Brooks was ejected from this game for a flag or two. (laughs) That is less than six minutes into his Houston Rockets debut. I believe it was Daniel Tice who he caught uh, with an elbow to the groin area. So Dylan Brooks just kind of, Business as usual. Pick it up where he left off. Uh, they have to be regretting that decision already. I, I, this is what you signed up for, right? I, I don't know. I mean, if, if, Five if minutes you didn't expect in? him to, yes, yes. If you didn't expect him to get kicked out of the preseason opener, I, I don't know what you what else you're bringing in <laughs> Dylan Brooks for. Um, Cam Whitmore, 17 minutes off the bench, 15 points in 17 minutes, had a huge dunk off of a a nice pass from Shangun, nice cut by Whitmore in the first half. How much do we see of him? Like, I, I'm of the belief that he's going to be in the rotation. I also think if you look at his numbers, you know, in high school, if you look at his numbers, especially at Villanova last year, I, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of translatable fantasy value right away. I, I think he'll be a a points and okay rebounds guy. There's there's not a whole lot else there in his stat profile. No, that, that and that's the issue with Houston. They have a couple of guys like that that are are really good at scoring the basketball. But what else are you bringing to the table? You've got to do more than that in the NBA. But I think Cam Whitmore is somebody that I, I actually took him the other day, last pick in the draft. Just let's just see what we get because uh, he's got so much talent. Jumps out of the gym. He's a guy that I think uh, I'm Adoka is going to have a really hard time leaving him off the floor. So I'm I'm intrigued, but. You know, keep your expectations at a proper level. All right. Before we talk NBA win total bets, we got a message from our good pals at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog is the number one platform for best ball leagues, including fantasy basketball. Underdog's featured best ball tournament for the upcoming NBA season carries $500,000. That's half a million dollars, Brandon, in total prizes. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new Underdog users receive a first time deposit bonus of up to $100, as well as a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. All you got to do is use our promo code. That's R-W-N-F-L. Again, that promo code is R-W-N-F-L. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today and use that promo code R-W-N-F-L to claim your free Rotowire subscription, as well as that deposit bonus. Again, up to $100 uh, and essentially free money to use on Underdog. All right, Brandon, we, we talked yesterday. Uh, we, we said we're, we're each coming up with our three favorite NBA win total bets. They could be overs. They could be unders. Uh, we could discuss some of the other ones that were in consideration, but let's get right to it. Give me your favorite NBA win total bet for the 2023-24 season. I would throw number one, top of the list, the Atlanta Hawks under 41 and a half wins Ooh. this year. I do not have a lot of confidence that this team's going to be better than they were a year ago, and I think the teams beneath them are improving. Trey Young is always a candidate to get dealt. He'll be a part of that conversation for forever, and he's a candidate to miss time. 
both of those make me not like Atlanta and not want to put a futures bet on them to hit that over. They won 41 last year. Just not a lot of optimism for me. I feel like the Hawks are who they are. You know, they're like, like they're, they're the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA. They're, they're going to lull us into a false sense of security at some point in the season. And then we'll get whapped in the back of the head with reality. I actually kind of like that cop. Like I, I think there is some, there is some like Trey young, Dak Prescott parallels here that if we, if we really yeah. wanted to to dive into, maybe, maybe we'll have to save that for the XM show one of these nights, but yeah, big star, not translatable to winning yes. championships. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I think you make some good points. I mean, this team lost John Collins and I think the Hawks would tell you like, who cares? He hasn't, you know, he's kind of fallen off, but I, I actually think John Collins is a very good player. I think he just did not fit whatsoever with, with this new core for the Atlanta Hawks. I think Trey young is a very difficult player for someone who's somewhat passive like John Collins to try to fit around. And it just felt like, you know, two, three years ago, we knew the fit wasn't good and it just continued to degrade and degrade every season. So I, I do think that's a relatively sizable loss. I mean, that's, that's 30 productive minutes per game that are just out of your rotation. And, you know, yeah, you have AJ Griffin, you got Sadiq Bay, you got Jalen Johnson in theory. There's, there's some, some players to backfill John Collins, but you, you didn't really make any notable additions, right? Like I, I don't think Kobe Bufkin, is going to be the guy that that moves Atlanta from a 40 win team to a 45 win team this season. Um, you know, I, I I still think this team has a reasonable floor, but you know, when, when you're looking at the win total numbers, you, know, you said 41 and a half, you can actually get it at 42 and a half at DraftKings. So yeah, even better there. there. This one, this one was on my honorable mention list. So I, I agree with you. I, I think Atlanta is just, you know, they're they're the new wizards in some ways, and you, know, you could say that Trey Young is is still, you know, a, a solid young asset if they ever were to trade him. There will be teams lining up to get him. You know, that's someone you could cash in on. Same with DeJounte Murray, who's still relatively young. But I, this team is is perfectly built to be somewhere between like the six and the nine seed in the East. And a uh, perfect example of why you should shop around, because I got my line from FanDuel Sportsbook, and that's at 41 and a half. So if you also yep. agree and want the under, go ahead and buy yourself an extra uh, an extra victory by going over to DraftKings. All right, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans over 44 and a half as my first one here. I, uh, you know, I, I would like to get this number just a little bit lower for a team that won 42 games a year ago. But, you know, I, I think in some ways last year was a close to worst case scenario as far as Zion's health, um, you know, as far as CJ McCollum, you know, having a down year until picking it up later on. Uh, some of the other injuries on this roster, you know, you, you're, you're missing some of your depth. Uh, you know, we, they're now going to be without Trey Murphy to begin the year. We'll see how much that ultimately uh, impacts this team. But, you know, they had injuries all over the place, still got to 42 wins. Um, you know, this was a team, Brandon, we forget, you know, 26 games into the year, like basically at Christmas last year, they were 18 and eight. They were leading the Western Conference. I mean, even at one point they were 23 and 12. And then they had that terrible month of January. I think they lost like 11 or 12 games in a row. And they went from being 12, 13 games over 500 to an under 500 team essentially overnight. And then from then on, you know, it was just kind of one step forward, two steps back after the all-star break. So of course, a lot of this does hinge on the health of Zion Williamson, but Zion gave them almost nothing last year. And, you know, this is still a team that won 42 games. So I'm, I, I'm pretty high on the Pelicans. I, I think this is one of the friendlier numbers. You know, these win totals, I, I in my opinion, get sharper every single year. You, you, there's very few that you look at and say, oh man, this is a total lock. You know, we're getting huge value here. I think the books know what they're doing. Um, but if Zion Williamson gives you 50 games, 55 games, I, I think the Pelicans cruise over. 
Yeah, the, my only concern with that is that you are banking on the, the easy lock to hit the over is for Zion to be available for over 50% of the season, and that's just so hard to bank on. But this was a team last year. How much should you change your perception of what you thought the Pelicans were going into last season versus what they are going into this season when they're not really all that different? I thought the Pelicans were going to be the top seed in the West. That's how Whoa. confident I was last year. So it's, I mean, obviously going out on a limb here in making that prediction, but I really, I was like you, I believed a lot in that basketball team. It all comes down to health. But if you are of the opinion that, that they are one of those contenders in the West, you're getting quite the, um, quite the mm -hmm. fair price with the number that Nick just laid out. Yeah. Well, I, the last thing I'll say about the Pels too is they are they're in that basket of kind of secondary teams in the West, and, and you could say the same thing about some teams in the East as well. Where it, it means a lot to the Pelicans to win games, like getting getting not even the one seed, but like the two or the three seed would be massive for this team, yeah. right? Whereas you know you look at Denver, I don't think they really care. You know, even Memphis at this point, they haven't had the playoff success, but they've been a top two, three seed for a few years now. Like, like you, you, the the blueprint is kind of what we saw with Sacramento last year, right? Where like the Kings were pushing harder than anybody during the regular season because they just have not had that kind of success. And it means more to that franchise to win 48 games than it means to the Phoenix Suns or the LA Clippers or the LA Lakers. So um, you know, that that's kind of the blueprint that I think you're following if you're the Pelicans. Yeah, you definitely want to target those teams that just simply care more about the regular season. Uh, moving on to my second team, I would take the, uh, the Nets under 37 and a half wins. You know, unless Mikael Bridges becomes a top 10 player in this league, which is possible. I mean, he's, he's a really good, uh, he's a really good player, all NBA mm -hmm. type of guy. I, I don't see how they surpass that win total, though. They get to 45 last year. That was with Kevin Durant playing a number of games for them most of the season. The roster is bleak, um, and I just thought that they played way above their heads a year ago. So mm -hmm. I would go under on the Nets. Yeah, I, I like that one as well. Uh, this this number just feels a little bit too high. Uh, I, I'm surprised that it's not, I would say, two or three wins lower. And, you know, we, we know about the McCall Bridges hype in fantasy, but I, I guess I didn't know that that extended to, to the betting market because on paper, like, I love McCall Bridges. I, I just think, you know, until, what, the second half of last season, we were always thinking about him as, like, a third option, you know, kind of this, like, supercharged Tobias Harris type of guy. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know, could he be, is this guy going to be like a future all-star? Like, can he be the number one guy? Um, I, I don't like the depth on this team at all. Like the starting five, Ben Simmons, Dinwiddie, Bridges, Johnson, Claxton, like that's not bad. Uh, we'll get to Ben Simmons in a moment, but beyond that, I mean, there are, there are, there are very few proven options. You know, you, you, you like Darius Baisley is like your, your backup forward. Um, you know, you got guys like Royce O'Neal, Lonnie Walker, like just kind of some bit players, but I, to me, this is not a team that stacks up to you know approaching 40 wins. I think they're they're probably in the the low to mid 30s for me. And you know, a lot of this is is kind of depending on Ben Simmons to be competent, available, um, willing to shoot the ball. And you know, he looked okay the other night against the Lakers. Certainly looked better than he had at any point last season. But you know, much like you just laid out with Zion, there's there's nothing is guaranteed with Ben Simmons. No, no. I mean, I, I just can't put I can't put my faith into uh, into him giving us anything, whether it's on the court or if, the, or if he's not able to play. You know, those are the type of situations that I'm happy to fade. And you laid out the roster. There are some nice players on, on that team. And that's where I thought last. Well, I mean, 
in terms of they can go on a on a brief run and play over their heads. They already did that. That happened last season. Am I really going to believe that they're going to be able to do that year over year? They don't have that kind of talent. So that's where if Mikael Bridges turns into a guy where we go, oh, my God, this is one of the league's best players. That is their only chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Ben Simmons becoming someone that you can trust. And both of those feel like they're far less likely to happen than, you know, than, than I would want to put my money on. All right, I got a few more that I'm I'm kind of choosing between here. I, I overprepared as I as I typically do here, and then I'm like, oh, I'll just decide on the fly, which you know, <laughs> usually doesn't make for great podcasting. Oh, give us so give us the decision making process over there. Who you? Uh... Well, I, I don't want to reveal too much. I mean, I got like four of them written down. I can only choose two. All right, we're going with this one first. Over forty four and a half for the Knicks. Over forty four and a half. That's the number at DraftKings. It's forty five and a half at FanDuel. Again, make sure you're shopping around. Um, you know, get the best number when it comes to win totals. That is huge. Knicks won 47 a year ago. They're basically running it back. Uh, I, I think this is a team that also has has the flexibility to eventually make a move if they wanted to. And if the right player becomes available, I think they're a team that could get better uh, at the trade deadline, before the trade deadline, depending on who may shake loose. But, you know, this is also much like the Pelicans to me, Brandon. There, there's less risk here because there's not this, you know, Zion factor hanging over everything. But, the Knicks are a regular season juggernaut. Like this is a team yeah. that's built to win games in the regular season. It's a team that wants to win games in the regular season. And, you know, I, I don't view the Knicks as any sort of real contender. You know, they're, they're like, you know, best case to me is they catch a break in the playoffs and, and like make the Eastern conference finals and lose to Boston or lose to Milwaukee in four games. But uh, this is a really good roster that, that has depth just about everywhere. I really like their guard depth. You know, you bring in Dante DiVincenzo, uh, to add to uh, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson. Uh, they still have some question marks. I think if, if Julius Randle were to go down at any point, uh, that would be an issue. Uh, there, there's really not a, a natural replacement for him. But part of the reason that we love Julius Randle in fantasy, and he can be a little polarizing as a real-life player, but he's played 77, 72, 71, 64, 73, 82, 74, 81 games throughout his career. Uh, since suffering that leg injury, like I think it was the first game of his NBA career with the Lakers. Like he has been, he's been as durable as it gets uh, as far as all-star level players go. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you're looking at these win totals, like, especially if you're betting it over, you want to be betting a team that doesn't have, you know, two or three big time injury liabilities. And I don't think the Knicks do. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's exactly why, you know, you want to fade a team like the Nets, but that's why you love a team like New York and they fit the bill perfectly for a team that cares a lot about regular season wins. They're built for that. I do think you're going to have to sweat that one, but I think it, I think you get the over, but I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. You know, you're going to need the last couple of weeks of the season to really secure that, that bag. I, I'm just surprised this number isn't higher, right? Like typically you'll see teams yeah. like the Knicks and the Lakers, uh, you know, the rent totals will be like two or three wins higher just because they're such a public market. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm getting the Knicks at like two and a half wins under what they had last year. I'll, I'll take it. I, uh, I think a discount version of what you're, if you like the mentality that Nick laid out with the New York Knicks, I feel like you almost have to bet the over for the Chicago Bulls because they fit the bill in so many ways. This is a team that's built for the regular season. They're never going to be able to accomplish anything with the way their roster is constructed in the playoffs, but they've got guys that can win regular season games. And I mean, DeMar DeRozan has shown that he can go on stretches where he looks like the best mid-range scorer in the league. 37 and a half is the win total there. They should be able to hit that. Mm. You're not feeling it. 
So they won 40 a year ago. I I, I wouldn't say I'm feeling it. I'm not not feeling it, but I, I don't love it. My, my concern here is that, you know, what if they get off to somewhat of a shaky start and there's DeMar DeRozan on an expiring contract and it's, you know, it's pretty easy to, to make that calculation and say, all right, we got to get something for him now because we're, we're probably not signing him again. So that would, that's what really keeps me away from the Bulls. I think if you could tell me that DeMar DeRozan plays out the entire season on this roster, then yeah, I, I think I like the over here. I think you are getting a nice discount, but if they get off to a you know nine and 14 start like they did last season, I, I think there's going to be some momentum to kind of lean into a rebuild, right? I mean, this is another team that's been in that wizard zone for the last few years where you have enough pieces where you're, you can talk yourself into contending. Even the years when they made the playoffs, they've just gotten the doors blown off them, usually by Milwaukee. Um, so I, I think this could be kind of an inflection point season for Chicago. And if they keep this roster together, yeah, they, they probably win 38, 39, 40 games. If they don't, I, I think they could go south. Yeah, I guess what I'm banking on is that they're not going to have buyers at the deadline for the players they have. There's a reason yeah. they're stuck in the middle. It's because they've built their team around these guys. Um, I mean, everybody's available and and valuable at the right price. And and they're you know Zach Levine, Vooch, and Demar Derozan, decent players. But are they the type of guys that are going to put you over the top? I, I just don't know if. They probably will want to make that decision. I don't know if they're going to be able to. But, yeah, okay. you definitely – you've scared me off. That wasn't one of my favorite three, by the way, so I don't want to sell you too hard on it. Can I give you right, my well, third one? Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right, we're going to go with a bottom-dwelling team. I like a nice low total that could, I can slide in with the over. Give me the Hornets. Over 30-and-a-half wins. A healthy LaMelo ball. A returning Miles Bridges. I like P.J. Washington, the potential of Brandon Miller uh, to be a budding star early on for this team. I'm a firm believer of Steve Clifford getting guys to play above themselves. He didn't do it last year, but that was a mess of a situation he was dealing with with health and suspensions. Uh, he's going to get these guys to commit to play some semblance of defense just enough to where they can slide in over that total. Well, and we'll see what they get back for Kai Jones, too, if they're, if they're able to trade him. I mean, that could be another huge boost to this roster. Uh, you know, they won 27 a year ago. You're getting Miles Bridges back, which, you know, I, I mean, he's kind of in like this Deshaun Watson zone where every time you talk about him, you have to be like, hey, I, you know, not a good guy. But he's he's, he's going to make a big impact for them right. on the court. Like, he, he was a very good player two years ago, very good fantasy player as well. Uh, so I, I think to me, that's kind of the swing piece. Like, I'm not expecting Brandon Miller to be a winning player. Gordon Hayward at this point, like I don't, he's, he's just like the Andy Dalton of the NBA, I guess. Like he's just he's always hanging, he's always hanging around. Like he'll have a couple nice games. Like he'll he'll have a, he'll have like a two week stretch where he'll give you like twenty seven five and five, and then he'll roll his ankle and be out for the next two months. Uh, like, I, there are there are names on this team. Like I I worry a little bit about their depth at center, but you could always slide PJ Washington up there if you need to. Um, but yeah, I, I this I, was I a play in team before, you know, this was a play in team before they, they bottomed out last year. So I, I think that that's more of who they yeah. are than what they showed last yeah. season. Well, we're, were we're killing it today. Wins. We're killing it with the uh, football analogies today, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. 43 wins two years ago. And you forget, I mean, LaMelo, obviously if you played fantasy, this was, this was hurting you, but only 36 games last year, you know, and that is, that yep. that's worst case. And, and both of those injuries, like he, you know, has the ankle injury early on. And then I believe, didn't he tweak it? Like stepping on the foot of a fan while trying to save a ball from going out of bounds. Like, I, I don't, I don't think we, we, you know, view the mellow ball as this like super injury prone player. Now, like those, those to me were kind of isolated freak incidents. 
I think so. And of course, if he gets hurt, but this is the case with any bet you make before the season. If the star players uh, goes down, you're going to hate your bet. So you just have to kind of plug your nose and deal with it. All right. My last one here, I'm deciding between two and I will, I will tell you that it is the Sixers under 49 and a half and the Oklahoma city thunder over 44 and a half. It's more fun to talk about overs. Let's go with, let's go with OKC. I'm, I'm making, that making one the right decision. Star. That was one that, that was one that was on my chopping block, Nick. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of a jarring number for a team that it, it feels like for the last five years we've been conditioned to see their number at like you know twenty seven. Uh, but you know they they got to forty wins last year, uh, forty two if I if I'm not mistaken. As I, I lose my basketball reference page here, but I, I think you know much like some of these other teams that we've talked about over, it's like there's there's incentive for this team to win games. Like I, I think they. You know, they, they have not had success in a long time. And I think you, you want this young core developing winning habits as much as possible. Um, and, and that's part of it as well. It's like you don't have you don't have a bunch of 34 year olds that you're depending on to win games like I, I don't think this is going to be a team that's going out of its way to rest players like it had in years past. You know, we saw SGA finally play close to a full season last year. Um, you know, maybe we're a little concerned about that with Chet Holmgren, uh, depending on what his workload is. But I thought he looked fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, the other night going up against Webb and Yami. That was, that was impressive. Um, I think the shooting looks even better than it did uh, the last time we saw him at Summer League. Jalen Williams, one of my absolute favorite young players in the league. Uh, you know, the, the, the primary concern for me with OKC is outside of the top five of Holmgren, Williams, Dort, Giddy, SGA, this is not a team that has depth at all. And that's been the case for the last couple of years. It's like if, if any of those guys miss significant time, uh, I think they could be in trouble here because they're they're still filling out like their six through ten spots with essentially like G League caliber guys. Right. Yeah, I like it though. I mean, the, you talk about a team. What what do we look for? We want teams that that have quality that that possess the ability to be playoff teams that are going to take the regular season seriously. OKC is too young and dumb, and I mean that as a compliment to know better. They're not a team yet that's figured out that, well, we can coast during January and we'll still be okay. You know, they're still trying to pile up wins. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a full-blown superstar. You mentioned the Chet addition to this team. Um, They won 40 games last year. They should be able to improve. They're clearly one of those teams that's on a very obvious upward trajectory. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I could see them pie in the sky i think they could be a top three seed in the west this year because of their ability to kind of sprint from the start to the finish line in the regular season yeah that's what i was basically just gonna say is like if there's one of these that i feel like you know i'm not gonna be sweating out and you know they could just smash right. this over you know obviously it could go the other way too it's not a given but you know okay could win like 51 games in a best case right like if sga is is you know picking up where he left off last season if if giddy and Jalen williams take a step forward if Chet Holmgren is as good as he looked the other night against Webinyama. I mean, this is one where we could look back and say, wow, I can't believe this number was sitting at 44 and a half. Uh, all right, let's talk some ADP figures here, Brandon, and then we'll get out of here. I, I know you have a few player versus player matchups that you want to discuss. So yes. um, whenever you want, however many you want to get through, uh, let's hit them. So I'm going to tee up two players to Nick over here who have a similar position in terms of average draft position. I'm also going to pair two players together that play a similar position because I'm gonna, what I'm going to remove from the equation is you go, well, it depends who's on my roster at this point. I wanted to remove that part from the okay. equation. So we're going to start. I'm going to go with players that are towards the top of ADP and kind of work my way down. Steph Curry versus Tyrese Halliburton 
who are you drafting? Who are you leaving on the board? Man, I, I think I'm going Halliburton here just because of the injury liability with Steph at this point. Um, you know, it, it's not it's not quite Durant level uh, where it feels like you're just penciling him in for like 20 to 25 missed games, but he's played 56, 64, 63, 5, 69, 51 over the last six seasons. Um, I don't know that that trend necessarily reverses as he plays his age 35 season. Uh, it's tough though, because Steph is, he's still a cheat code in, in terms of three pointers. Like if you're, in, if you're in a Roto league, those threes are, are ultra valuable. I mean, it, you can, it kind of controls the way you could build the rest of your roster. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I'm staying away from Steph in the same way that I'm generally staying away from Durant just for injury purposes, but I, I, I got to go Halliburton there. Well, in, in terms of average draft position, I just pulled up fantasy pros. They've got um, Steph Curry is the uh, the seventh overall pick, Tyrese Halliburton right now, going at eight. But you assume that that's because of name value. People want Steph on their fantasy roster. Let's give you a couple of big men to consider. Here's a guy that is now on 100% of my rosters, and I did not intend for this to be the case, but Victor Wimbanyama, I apparently am higher on him than consensus. So we've got him or Minnesota Timberwolves center power forward Carl Anthony Towns. Well, first of all, I, no offense to the folks at Fantasy Pros, but I tell you what, Rotowire has a fantastic ADP page where you could compare, uh, you get a composite figure, and then you could compare individual ADPs for ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, Underdog, Fantrax. Uh, so I want to steer any viewers or listeners over to that page. It's great. We, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it. Towns versus Webbanyama. Oh, man. I, I've i been burned on Towns so many times. Like I, you know, he's, he's had some great years. He's had some down years due to injury. I'm just, I'm always timing the market wrong on talents. Like every time I buy in, it's a bad year. Every time I pass, it's a good year. So I, I have to keep that in mind. I've also been uh, like at cost. I, I don't think I'm going to get a lot of Webinyama. And I think that cost is only going to rise, uh, you know, in light of how we looked the other night in light of how we expect him to look uh, for the rest of the preseason. Like I, I really worry about games played for Webinyama. I, I, I think he's going to be fantastic. I think the blocks are, are going to be huge. Um, you know, we saw there, there was a play the other night where like, he didn't even leave the ground. Like he just, you know, kind of rebound tipped in uh, a missed free throw. And you kind of forget of like, Oh yeah, he, like he should be able to do that. Like all the time. Like I think it, things are going to be really easy for him, but I also think there's a world in which, you know, the Spurs are really careful. You know, he, he rolls his ankle at some point in the year and he ends up playing like 51 games. And at that point, if you drafted him 18th overall, which is where he's going in, in CBS leagues right now, I don't think you're going to get a return on value. So you know, not that Towns has been super healthy uh, the last couple of years. He was such an Iron Man to begin his career. That's now completely out the window. But I, I think I would lean Carl Anthony Towns because I, I ultimately am banking on him playing more games. And Towns was a guy that was a former, what was he like a number one overall pick not too oh, yeah. long ago uh, of a guy that I think that it, he falls into this camp of players that you just sort of. Uh, they may be bored with, and then that's how guys like Victor Wimbanyama get pushed up the board because he's the shiny new toy. Let's move to number three here, Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks, who uh, burst onto the scene quite a bit last year as the as the focal point of that New York Knicks squad, or someone that you cannot trust at all but is a stat stuffer when he's on the floor, James Harden. So Jalen Brunson, James Harden, who you got? Oh goodness. Oh man. Um, this is, this is a brutal matchup. I mean, these are like polar opposites, right? Like you You're have right. one of the safest, safest players in fantasy and Jalen Brunson, uh, one of the biggest wild cards of all time in, in James Harden. 
I I tend to go conservative in in these situations. I would lean Jalen Brunson. Uh, you know, certainly James Harden has the higher upside, no question about that. Uh, we we have seen his his average ADP plummet uh, over the last week or so. By the way, I mean he's going after pick forty uh, on some host sites now. You know, I there's a certain point where I'm willing to take Harden because I, I think the the thing that he has that Brunson doesn't is legit top 10 potential. Like if, whether it's in Philly, whether it's somewhere else, like if James Harden has even like a, a like B plus James Harden season, he's going to be a top 10 player. He's going to give you a ton of free throws, threes, assists. We, we know all that. Whereas with Brunson, if you're taking him at 35 and he finishes 32nd, like that, that's like a, a, a rousing success. Right. So right. I, I do worry a little bit about the lack of true upside for Brunson, but he's just so safe. And if, if we're talking like end of the third round, I'm, I'm going to side with the guy, uh, you know, who's played 68, 79, 68 games and is not currently, you know, in, in like a very public battle with his own team. So I am uh, currently on the far superior site, rotowire.com, and I am looking here at, are you surprised that James Harden is going about five slots higher than Jalen Brunson just simply because don't we like the certainty in yeah. in fantasy or is or is the is the upside of James Harden just that enticing? I think it's that enticing, dude. I, yeah, I think I it is. Know. And I think the fact that he at least reported to camp, you know, has has quelled some of the some of the concerns. I mean, we, we have a you know, on all of our player pages at Rotowire, you could go and see where where you know a player finished in fantasy every year of their career. And I'm I'm looking at James Harden right now. Um, you know, since he arrived in Houston to his final year at Houston, this is where he finished in total value. So this counts games played. Third, fifth, first, second, first, third, first, first. I mean, there are very few yeah. players have anything close to that kind of track record. Like Durant, you know, kind of measures up in that way as well. But, you know, he's had some injuries. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think there's this fear of, you know, it, it's the Jonathan Taylor situation. It really is. Like, I, I think that's that's as close as it gets. Like where, you know, Jonathan Taylor three weeks ago, if you took him, you know, 20th overall in your draft, you're looking like an idiot. You're thinking he's not going to play. He's still demanding a trade. All of a sudden he's back and, you know, only had 10 snaps last week, but eventually he's going to be the number one back. Like, I, I think I think there's that fear that if you pass on James Harden, especially in the 30s or the early 40s of your draft, that someone's basically getting a free ticket to a top 15 player. Yeah. Uh, does that make Tyrese Maxey Zach Moss, I guess? So we got to keep an eye on yes. him as well. Yeah, uh, I think it does. All right, interesting conundrum, and that's going to be one that a lot of um, a, a lot of drafters face. Jamal Murray versus Jordan Poole. I find myself really intrigued by Jordan Poole in fantasy for yeah. uh, many obvious reasons. I think he's going to have kind of free reign to do what he wants there. What do you say, Jamal Murray, Jordan Poole? Who are you drafting if they're on the board? Oh, that's a really really good one. And in general, we're, we're seeing Murray go a few picks higher than Jordan Poole. Uh, you know, with, with Poole, it, it, it is somewhat dependent on your situation. Like if you're in a points league, I think Jordan Poole is very, very appealing. Although he is a, he is a very good free throw shooter and should be taking more free throws. So, you know, even if he shoots 42% from the field, if he's shooting 89% at the line and taking seven a game, like that, that kind of balances out to me. Um, I, I'm interested to see, you know, what, what does Jordan Poole show as a passer? Because, you know, even last year in Golden State, I think people were so down on him, especially by the time we got to the playoffs that you kind of forget that he was a 20 point per game player, four and a half assists, uh, almost one steal per game. So now if you're adding five to six minutes per game, you're, you're kind of increasing his time on the ball. Can he get to, you know, 24, six assists, three and a half rebounds, like 1.1 steals. If so, if you think that's his upside, then I would rather have Jordan Poole. Uh, doesn't matter how many games you win. The concern, I guess, Brandon, and I'll ask you how, how concerned about this you are, you know, we, we talked about Washington having a direction, that direction being down. 
is there a concern that, you know, we, we see what we've seen with other you know, rebuilding teams in the past where, you know, the last 10 to 15 games of the year, all of a sudden, you know, Jordan Poole develops a, a phantom injury. Yeah, and I think that has to be part of your consideration. And it, it almost feels like we're back to the same conversation with Jalen Brunson versus James Harden. I think I know exactly what I'm going to get from Jamal Murray. He's clearly past the injury issues. He is as steady a player as they get, and he should be a factor come the end of the season. Jordan Poole could be somebody that at his best in fantasy is the kind of guy that can win you a league, but you do have to be, you do have to worry about the end of the season. I just I'm more worried about collecting wins and then figuring it out later. So just my personal mindset going in is I don't really like to plan for what that last week in fantasy is going to look like because you just have no idea who's going to yeah. get you there, who's healthy, and all of that. So I tend to lean Jordan Poole in that equation, okay. but I'm happy with either guy. I'll hit you with a couple of other ones real quick. Evan Mobley versus DeAndre Ayton. Who do you like there? Evan Mobley of the Cavs, of course, and Ayton now with the tra uh, Portland Trailblazers. Evan Mobley or DeAndre Ayton. So Mobley, on average, going about pick 45 uh, across all those host sites that we mentioned. And, you know, some of those skew more points leagues, some skew Roto. So um, I think the composite actually gives you a pretty good uh, indication of where guys are going. Ayton, 57.8 is his ADP. I, I, I like Mobley more of the player, right? I, I think most people would say that. Um, I don't I don't know that we're going to get that like huge year-over-year -year leap at any point. I, I think it's just one of those things where like five years from now, it'll just be kind of a gradual, gradual, gradual improvement to the point where he's, you know, an all-NBA guy. But I, I don't know if we get a huge leap this year, partially because they're, they're kind of running it back. They added even more scoring, you know, around Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Um, you know, he, he plays with another big man in, in Jared Allen. So in some ways, I think that limits his, his rebounding and his shot blocking upside. Uh, so I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I think I would go DeAndre Ayton, especially if I could get him, you know, 10 to 12 picks later, uh, that, that, that would break the tie for me. You know, how much do you worry about Robert Williams encroaching on Ayton's role? That, that would be the one drawback for me. I think Ayton's going to be really involved. I think you made the right pick there. Uh, Evan Mobley, would he possesses more than anything else is the ability to defend the paint. And I think DeAndre Ayton's just, he fits the bill of what you want from a fantasy big man more so than Evan Mobley. So it's, um, I think there's more upside there. You know, it seems like I, it wasn't even really necessarily the goal going in, but it's a, a lot of these questions turn into safety versus upside. And I think you yeah. just have to kind of balance your roster with a, a little bit of both because you go too yeah. heavy in one direction you can shoot yourself yeah. in the foot well it, uh, it depends on shot blocking for Aiden too like if, if he's yeah. not blocking a shot per game that's you know that, that he's not going to finish in the top 50 like that's that's a problem that's where that's where Mobley has a big edge uh but it, you know Aiden's a better free throw shooter he's like 10 percentage points better um so yeah I, I think most people would just you know say Mobley right away but it's I think that's actually a pretty good debate uh, two more for you. Walker Kessler, who blocked a million shots last year, and I mean, he clearly has carved out a, a very interesting role for himself with Utah, or a guy that is a potential Rookie of the Year candidate in Chet Holmgren. Walker Kessler or Chet Holmgren. So Kessler's going about 58.7 on average. Holmgren, 55.2. Uh, I think that number is going to be on the rise uh, I don't want to read too far into one preseason game, man, but I, I'm, I'm enamored uh, with Chad Holmgren. I, I think, you know, OKC has essentially ignored the center position for like four years now, and he's just the perfect fit. Um, you know, I think that the three-point shooting is going to be huge for him. The shot blocking upside is going to be there. Uh, I, I, I do worry about games played with him. I do worry about the foot holding up, uh, you know, big man coming off of foot surgery before even playing in the NBA. Like that just... 
that's a, that's just some, some pretty seriously bad vibes. Um, so I, I think that's something where we, we need to see him make it through a full season before we fully buy in. Um, oh man, this is so tough. After all the nice things I said about Chad, I, I think I might go Walker Kessler just because I want the blocks. Um, you know, right. I, I think there's, there's certainly more upside with Holmgren. No question about it. I, I think he's a far more advanced offensive player. I think in terms of rebounding, they're comparable. Um, and in terms of shot blocking, they could be comparable, but uh, you know, I, I think Walker Kessler, once, once he settled into, you know, a high minute role an every night starting role was as dependable as they come as far as getting those blocks. So if I'm, if I'm in a roto league, especially, I, I think I'd probably lead Kessler though. I, my, my guess is that most listeners would say Holmgren without much question. Yeah. That maybe that's one we need to throw out there. See how, uh, see how social media reacts to that one. But uh, yeah, Chet Holmgren, I'm just so intrigued by what he can do across the board. I, I, I uh, would have a hard time leaving him on the mm-hmm. board there. Let's wrap with two guys that profile as very similar players and are at complete opposite ends of their career. Scoot Henderson, uh, the first round pick for the Portland Trailblazers right now, average draft position, 77th overall versus Russell Westbrook of the Clippers, who's going 11 spots later. But I mean, he's Russell Westbrook. So what do you do there? Scoot and Russ on the board at the same time. Oh, man, this is a great one to end on. I can't. I, I wouldn't want to draft either of these guys, honestly. I'm, I'm not a Russ guy, um, you know, as a as like a semi LeBron supporter. Um, you know, I just I, I wasn't a Russ fan before he came to the Lakers, but that that really that was a final nail in the coffin for me uh, with him. But, you know, I, you got to respect what he did in the postseason. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm not I'm not going to say that Russ was not fantastic, um, you know, in that in that first round series for the Clippers. I don't know that I'm willing to just say that suddenly because of like how he played over five games that he's just back to being the guy that he was at age 30. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately he's still the very clear number three option on a lot of nights. Although, you know, we expect Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to miss time. Scoot is, is so tough because like, I, I really like the player. There's just, there, there is just almost no track record of like small point guards, like being great in fantasy right away. You know, it's like, like field goal percentage is always an issue. Um, you know, defensive production tends to be an issue as well. Like the three point shooting with scoots, a big question mark. So I, I think I would have to go Westbrook here by default, just because we know the counting stats are for sure going to be there. And, and with scoot, you know, he's still to me, like he's going to have the ball in his hands a ton, but there's a case to be made that he's like third or fourth in the overall pecking order. Like Anthony Simons is still the number one dude. Jeremy Grant is kind of the co-number one. DeAndre Ayton's not somebody that demands the ball, but he's going to get his touches. You know, you're, you're trying to develop shaded sharp as well. Malcolm Brogdon, it's still on this roster and might, might play for them at the beginning of the year. So there's uh, obviously long-term you want Scoot Henderson, no question, but I, I think I would give slight lean to Westbrook here. Yeah. I, I I've was like, I think most that follow this stuff after the draft, I was like, and, and just, and, and just pr- projecting forward and looking at a Damian Lillard trade. I'm like to the moon for, uh, Scoot Henderson, but the closer we get to the season, the more you realize efficiency is going to be a major issue for this guy. So Russell Westbrook, I mean, steady Eddie in terms of, uh, and he's always going to get his. So he's been doing it a little bit longer, and and that's definitely the kind of guy I'm. I'm, I'm happy to have Russ on my roster. I think I've already overdrafted Scoot, and I'm I'm yeah. willing to sort of cut that off. Yeah, I mean, in a points league, Russ is ultimately fine. Um, yeah. I just, you know, I I, I kind of have some like moral things that I need to work through when it comes to Westbrook. Uh, but we, we will discuss that another time, Brandon. We got to get out of here. Uh, we, we, we got some meetings coming up. We actually have the Rotowire Stake League auction. 
this afternoon. So I will be, you know, kind of multitasking, trying to avoid staying out of the basement there. This is a league where the top half of the league is safe. The bottom half of the league has to buy a very expensive steak dinner for the top half of the league. So obviously you want to win the league, but the bigger thing is you, you want to be in that top eight. It's a 16 team league. So looking forward to that auction. Um, you know, Alex Barutho will be in that as well. Shannon McCune, Ken Kreitz. So they'll have the full recap for that on the Friday episode of this podcast. Tomorrow will be Rick Kamla and Steve, Dr. A. Alexander. You can check them out right here on Twitter, on YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. For Brandon Kravitz, I'm Nick Whalen. We'll talk to you next week.